Um, the title of today's message is called The Promise of Proverbs. The Promise of Proverbs. Some of you might say this, that that's not a promise, that's a proverb. Well, I would agree with you if we were reading a Chinese proverb, but we are reading a proverb out of the Word of God. It is a promise to us through our Lord, amen? And it's a promise that we can hold on to, that we can use in our life. But would you agree with me that we live in a time now where we need wisdom? We need wisdom. More than worldly wisdom, more than secular wisdom, we need godly wisdom. Amen? We need knowledge and we need understanding. Listen, the best wisdom anyone can ever get is right here in the Word of God. The greatest wisdom that we can receive as not only people, but as believers in Christ can be found in the, uh, in the Word of God. Listen, as Christians... We must be convinced that the words of God are fountain of the greatest wisdom and understanding that we can ever receive. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. If you would stand with me as we read God's Word. Starting in verse 1, it says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom, and apply thy heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding. If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as, um, as for hid treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the path of judgment, perseveres the way, excuse me, preserveth the way of the saints. Then thou shalt understand righteous and judgment and equity, yeah, every good path. Father, we come to you this morning again. God, as we lift our hands to you to just tell you how good you are, how faithful you are. And God, what a promise we have, not only in Proverbs, but in the whole entire word of God, of how faithful you are. God, we ask that you anoint this time together. God, you be in this hour. God, I pray that heaven would open up and just come down and sit right here with us this morning because I have nothing within myself. I have no power, no authority to do anything, but God, but through your word, through your presence, and through your spirit, but God, I'm going to rest in you this morning. God, give me the wisdom, give me the ability to get the message out if you have given it to me. God, I pray that you are glorified and we give you the name. Oh, excuse me, we pray this in the name of, we only know how, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, listen, I'm going to give you three things this morning that we're going to talk about out of Proverbs chapter 2. And number one is God's provision. God's provision. In verse 6, it says this, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. God is our provider. This comes in many ways, amen? We know that the Bible says in Philippians 4.19 that God shall supply all of our needs according to his uh, riches and glory in Christ Jesus, amen? We have breath in our lungs, we have vision, we have sight, we have movement, we have food, we have sunshine, we have night, we have all these things that God's providing. But this morning, we're going to talk about wisdom. Listen, we know that Abraham, when he was on the mount, and he was about to sacrifice what? He was about to sacrifice Isaac. And there, as he was about to sacrifice Isaac, he was about to raise his hand and take Isaac's life. An angel of the Lord stopped him and said, do not do it. And he looked, and there was a ram caught in the thicket. And there Abraham named that mountain there Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord God will provide. And we're going to talk about his provision. We're going to talk about the things that God will provide. But this morning, like I said, we're going to talk about wisdom. Where does this wisdom come from? Verse 6 tells us that it comes out of his mouth. Man, I love 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is used for uh, reproof, correction, instruction unto righteousness. All Scripture is breathed by God. And so when we find out the wisdom that we need, we're going to have to find it from the mouth of God. And my friends, can I tell you this morning, we can find things that are written in this Bible right here from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, that were written by the mouth of God. Amen. God inspired these men to pin down these words. Amen. And now we have them some 2,000 years later that we can read, follow, and apply to our lives when we need them. Listen, it goes on to say this in verse chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words. Pause right there. 
Listen, receive my words. You have two options when you come into this service this morning. You can receive the message or you can reject the message. That is up to you. You have to make that decision. God's not going to make that decision for you. God has anointed the service. God has anointed the man. God has prepared the man. He has prepared the worship and everything else. It is up to you to receive the message that God has for you. Some of you have your minds made up before you even come in here. That, hey, I'm not going to listen to a word that the preacher says. I'm worried about things going on outside. I'm worried about life. I'm worried about all this other stuff. But listen, listen, if we would just set all that stuff aside for a moment and listen to the message that God has prepared for us, I promise you, you will be a blessed person. Amen. But it says, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, and so thou incline thy ear unto wisdom. As Johnny Hunt always says, we need to press in a little bit. We need to lean in a little bit. Maybe we need to lean in and hear what God's trying to say. He said, if you will incline thy ear unto wisdom, but listen to this part, and apply thy heart to understanding. My friends, you have to want to understand the Scripture. Brother Steve just finished up the whole series of Revelation. Very complicated book. But I'm telling you right now, if you want to understand that book, you can understand that book. It may take a little bit more effort like myself. I have to struggle and I have to dig down deep to understand the things of the Word of God. But listen to this. I press through and I rely on the Holy Spirit of God to reveal to me what He's saying in that Scripture. Amen. And so if you apply yourself to understanding, that means you say, Lord, I want to understand this the best way I know how, then you can understand it. And that's what Solomon is saying here in Proverbs. We must apply our heart to understanding. We need wisdom, Christians. We need understanding of the Word of God. More than anything else, I said Christians, so that means you already have the precious Holy Spirit and you have Jesus Christ. More than anything else, apart from that, we need the what? We need the understanding of the Word of God. Listen, Charles Spurgeon said this, Nobody ever outgrows Scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. I love that. No matter how high you think you may get, I don't care if you're a master of theology at some seminary school, and man, you can break down the book of Revelation without any notes, you're still not there. You're still not there. You're just you're not you're nowhere close. No, Adrian Rogers described it like this. The Bible is so deep. The greatest theologian, the greatest scholars can jump in and explore and never find the bottom, but yet it's so shallow children can splash and play without even being harmed. That's the word of God. That's what we're talking about this morning. Amen. Listen, I truly believe we are in the shape that we are in because we lack the knowledge and understanding in God's Word. There was a time when we would read God's Word and it meant what it said. But now we want to take God's Word and we want to judge the Word of God. We want to twist it, form it, shape it to our lifestyles and our agendas. And that's not what it's designed to do. We're supposed to mold our lifestyles to the Word of God. Amen. We're supposed to let our life be shaped into the image of God through the Word of God. Listen, it, God gave us this Bible. Over a span of about 1,500 years, God gave us this Bible. Over 40-something authors. He gave us this Bible that we can read here today in America, and we can read about his birth and his death and his resurrection. We can read about the children of Israel and all the miracles and all the things that happened. We can read about it, but that, he said, you know what? That's not, that's not all. I'm going to give you something else. I'm going to give you the precious Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says in, in, in the gospel, he says, this Holy Spirit, the comforter, will come in my name. It will teach you all things. It will bring all these things into remembrance. Amen. And so he says, I'm going to give you the word, and I'm going to give, I'm going to give you someone who's going to help you understand it. Some Christians are just lazy and apathetic in the way that they study the Bible. Well, Andrew, I didn't know I was coming this morning to receive a blessing. It would be, it wouldn't be so sad if it wouldn't be so true. And I'm not a Bible scholar by no means, but I have adapted my life to the Word of God. Some way, some shape, some form, some fashion, I get into Scripture daily. Preferably, I like to do it in the morning time. Uh, I like to get into it first thing in the morning. Read, pray, study. And it may be scripture, maybe a devotion, whatever it may be. But what happens is we don't ever pick up the Bible. We come in, we listen to Brother Steve, and we 
listen to Brother Brian preaching. Woo, that's good. And we close this Bible up, and we go off to home, and we lay it up there, and we never touch this Bible again. But yet we come in here, and we get frustrated because we don't understand the things of God. We don't understand what Brother Steve or the other pastors are preaching about. We don't understand it. But yet we never apply ourselves to understanding the Word outside the church. Whose fault is that? That's not his. It's not anybody else's fault. It got, you've got to open up the scripture, and you've got to read it for yourself. Listen, as we're in the back with the children, we're in the back, and um, during, during the pandemic stuff, we kind of went through some series. They love doing series. We started out with the Ten Commandments, and then we went into the tabernacle. Now we're doing the, the armor of God. First message I ever preached in this church, September 2013, was the armor of God. I was more nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I'm nervous now. Y'all might not can tell it. But we talk about the armor of God. But about four weeks I took time and I broke down the Bible. And I would show them what the table of contents is. Why do we have a table of contents? Because not long these kids are going to be sitting out front like Holston is and Maggie and Brock and trailing, and they're going to need to know where that book is. Well, I don't know where that book is. That's okay. Well, you go to the table of contents, you find the book, find the page, and you can go there. I explained to them when I was a firefighter and we had a, we had a dispatch to a call, they gave us an address. They gave us a number and a street. And that's how I located that home or that person that needed help. Well, it's the same thing. The Bible has address. You have the, the chapter, you have the book, and you have the verse. And we ought to be able to navigate uh, excuse me, navigate through the Bible and teach them how to get to those places. Amen. Moms and dads, we ought to be teaching our kids how to flip through the Bible and find Scripture. They're going to need that more than they, you think later on in life. Amen. But listen, as we, was, as we was talking about these things, and I took the Bible, and I was holding it like this right here, and I was doing it like this right here, and I said, what do we need to do with the Bible? And I was saying, I was looking for, read it. Little Maggie was sitting there, and she looked at me, and she said, Andrew, she said, Mr. Andrew, we need to open it. And man, I couldn't do nothing but smile. And I said, so profound. That's so deep. Because in, in all actuality, to read it, we have to open this. And that comes from a little bitty girl. And I said, that is so true. We need to open God's word and see what God has for us daily. Daily. I'm telling you, if you would just open the scripture and dive into the scripture and pray before you. Listen, at the very beginning of my Bible, I have Written down right here, it says, Open thou my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. God, show me what you want me to see out of this scripture today. God, speak to me through your holy word. Amen. God, use your spirit this morning to minister to me through your scripture. Listen, in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Let's be honest. I don't see much fear and reverence for God anymore in this world. If you look out into this world, it's, be it's becoming a, a diminished thing. People who reverence God and look at Him for how holy and how just and how sovereign He is. If you look at John in the book of Revelation, when he saw God, all he could do was fall down dead at the feet, as he was dead at the feet. He wasn't slain in the Spirit. He fell before Him to worship Him as a holy God He is. Amen. And we're, we're, we're missing that today. We're, we're not seeing that today as we should, amen. But it goes on to say this, and we're going to talk about Solomon here in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. Solomon asked for wisdom. Solomon asked for wisdom, and we're going to read it right here. It says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this uh, so great of people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself a long life, neither hast thou asked for uh, riches for thyself, or hast asked for life of thy enemies, thou hast asked for understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done accordingly to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, Neither after thee shall they arise like unto thee. He's saying, you're the smartest man ever. Out of all the things, all the riches, all the glory. He said, Lord, I want wisdom and discernment. And we know the story right after that. These two women came to Solomon. 
they were in the room asleep, and one of them rolled over and killed her baby. And when she and the other one woke up to, or she swapped it out with the other woman's baby. And when that woman woke up to nurse her baby, she got to looking at it and it was dead. She said, "This is not my baby. That's my baby." And so what happened is they go to the judge, they go to the king, and they go before him. And Solomon, with his wisdom and with his discernment, he said, bring me a sword. And so they bring him a sword. He said, we're going to chop this baby in half. We're going to chop this baby in half. You get half, and you get half. Solomon knew through the wisdom of the Lord and through the understanding and the guidance of the presence of God, he knew that the mother would speak up and say, no, no, no. I would rather my baby go with a stranger than you cut the baby in half. And immediately he knew that that was the mother. The other lady was over there going, cut him in half, cut him in half, cut him in half. But he knew who the mother was, and that was a settled, that dispute right there. Why? Through wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We walk through life every single day having to make decisions. We can make a bad decision today. It can have dire consequences tomorrow. Listen, we are one decision away from stupid. We are one decision away from being somewhere we don't want to be. So how do we, how do, we do that? Proverbs, uh, Psalms chapter 1 says, Bless is those who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, sit in the way of the sinners, stand in the way of the scornful. We must seek godly counsel. We must seek godly wisdom. And where do we get that? Through the Word of God. Listen, God not only wants the first part of your paycheck, He wants the first part of your day too. Ask Him to guide you, lead you, direct you, help you. Listen, we need it in the world we live in today. I'm not sure if y'all are aware of this, but we live in a wicked and twisted and dark world. There, there are evil people in this world. And there's another thing, too. The devil is real, and he will attack you. Where do we get the things we need from the Word of God? The bottom line is we need wisdom in our lives, and we need it in the church. And notice that this story that I just told you about was from Solomon. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, right? He was speaking from experience. It's amazing that he said, hey, you're going to need this in your life. You're going to need this in your life. We have a promise that the Lord will give us wisdom. The Bible says, any man lack wisdom, let him ask, and it shall be given unto you. Number two, God's protection. Lay, uh, he lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. Notice here it says sound wisdom, not just regular wisdom. You know, when God writes out of his scriptures, it says exceedingly, abundantly above, much more sound wisdom. I mean, it's like, it, it's like extra above everything else. He says, I lay up here sound wisdom. And when I was writing these notes out, I began to think about when I was a fireman many, many years ago. When we would go onto a roof or when we would walk into a house, we would have to sound the floor. We would take a pike pole or an axe and we would hit that floor. And if, if it, there wasn't nothing there, we knew one thing. We can't walk on that floor. There's nothing there. Or if it was spongy, you knew I better not stand on that floor. But man, if you, if you heard a Oh, man, you knew, hey, I could take another step. I can get more closer to where I'm trying to go, amen. It was a solid foundation. It would hold you. It would keep you up. It wouldn't fall through. You could stand on it, and that's what Solomon is saying here. This is sound wisdom. You can stand on this wisdom. It'll carry you through any trial, any decision, any struggle, any temptation. This will not fail you. Matter of fact, the word sound wisdom here means to aid and to comfort, amen, not sure about you, but I've needed aided and comforted in my life before. Yeah, there's been decisions that I've had to make in my life that I needed godly wisdom. I needed godly wisdom. It may impact my future. It may impact my wife or my children, and I needed godly wisdom. And so Solomon says, therefore, therefore, laid up for you is sound wisdom. It's like, hey, there's wisdom. It is sound. It is waiting on you. Any man lack wisdom, ask ask. It's there. It's waiting on you. It's ready. It's available. He, you just got to ask for it. You got to apply your heart to understanding. Amen. God's wisdom. Oh, let me, let me, let me, listen. In the last part, it says for the righteous. Who is the righteous? That is for us. That is for you and I. That is for the church. That is for the bride of Christ. Listen, Solomon, through these next few verses, you're going to see that he's very specific in who he is talking to. He is not talking to the world. He is talking to the church. He is saying those who are righteous, those who are holy, those who believe in Christ, there is wisdom, there is knowledge, and there is understanding for you as you walk through this journey of life. Why? Because you, my friend, are going to need it goes on to say God's wisdom 
God's wisdom will come to our aid in times of help and comfort us in times of trouble. He is our aid. Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. I'm so thankful that I have a shelter that I can go to. I'm so thankful that I have someone that will give me strength when I'm sitting by a hospital bed of a, of a loved one. I'm standing by a casket of a loved one. Listen, when I've read the story or I've seen the bad news or left a doctor's office, we have someone that will give us strength to make it to that next breath and that next moment and that next hour. He says he is a help, very present help in time of need. He doesn't say, well, listen, I'm helping Brent right now. Would you please put you on hold. You're next in line. You got 15 minutes, okay? And I'll get to you. No, 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 no. God is a God is a God who can help everybody. He is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent, omnipotent. And listen, he can help everybody at the same time. I've got to slow down. Getting excited. He can help everybody at the same time. That's why he put that word, the very present help in time of need. Heath, if you're in trouble, he can help you. Listen, Carl, if you're in trouble, he can help you. Bill, if you're in trouble, he can help you. Randy, if you need it, he can help you all at the same time. All at the same time. We're not going to overload God. His grace is sufficient for us all. Amen. Listen, you have, there, there's never been, there may be a shortage of toilet paper. There may be a shortage of oil. There may be a shortage of this or that. But there'll never be a shortage of God's grace. Amen. It'll never run out. His mercy and goodness shall follow me all the days of our life. There we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. There he will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemy. There's chaos is wrapping around us. The world is falling apart. And there he is. His feast is set before us of his goodness and his mercy. There his presence is. And we can sit down. And there he is with his arms out like this. As we have peace for a moment. As we have peace. Where do we find that peace, my friends? In the word of God. In the scripture. In the Bible, a peace that surpasses all understanding, that will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen, Psalms 91, verse 1 says that he that dwelleth in the secret place, that is our defense, of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I think about this, I uh, shared it this morning in, uh, in, in August, in September in Alabama, when you're outside there's one thing you're looking for. You're looking for shade. Slade told me this year they were out there on that astro turf. And he said it might have been 100 outside. There's 150 on that turf. Ain't that right, Cody? There ain't no shade trees out there, brother. It also don't rain on that football field either. But listen, you're out there and you're like, where's the shade? You find the umbrella. You find the shadow. You find the tree or whatever you can. And you step into that shade. You're like, oh, man. That tree or whatever it is, that obstacle or, or whatever, that building is blocking the rays of the sun from getting to you and you have a moment of refreshness. That's what the Spirit of God does to us when we step into the shadow of the Almighty, when we step behind the cross. Listen, when we step behind His wings and up under His wings, He's like, I will shelter you, listen, from the things of the world. I will shelter you from the darts of the wicked one. I will shelter you from corruption and temptation. I will shelter you. Rest, my friend. Rest, my friend. This is a refuge. You will give strength in everything you need right here. I've got it. I'm okay. You take care of yourself. You rest. That's what God's saying. You want to rest in me for a little while? Find yourself in my scripture. Find yourself in my presence. Find yourself seeking out a holy God that says, yes, I love you. Let me help you. Let me help you right now. Some of us need help. Some of us are going to need help. What does, a defense, what does defense do? They stop the offense. They stop the offense from scoring. What is God doing when we step into the shadow of the Almighty? He stops and quenches the attacks from the adversary. He is protecting us. But listen, we must understand this, but it's, it's all him. It's never us. Andrew has nothing within himself, no power, no authority, no anything to flee off the devil. To throw at the devil. I have nothing within myself. But listen, the Bible says that we have everything through the power and the authority of the Scripture of the Word of God. Listen, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil himself, he said, For it is written, no man shall live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you submit to God, resist the devil, the Bible says he must flee from you. Amen. Listen, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. If he be for us, 
Who can be against us? Amen. Listen, I'm telling you right now, we're in a spiritual war. Whether you believe it or whether you don't believe it, there's a spiritual battle going on. And listen, there's a heavenly ram. There's a host. I think, I think about Elijah's servant. He said, God, open up his eyes. Let him see what you have. And there his eyes were opened up, and he looked up, and there were chariots of fire circling around him. And man, all he could do was just shout and say, there he is. If we could see that today, we would fall on our face before God and know that there are chariots of fire, heavenly hosts, angels, and authorities in heaven that are waiting to help us in time of need. Man, I can't help but get excited when I think about what he, that servant saw that day. Gideon, he said, I, we, we're okay. We got this. Or excuse me, Elijah, he said, we got this. It is only by Christ we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Listen, we are going through the armor of God on Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, we're going through the armor of God. And our memory scripture is that we should put on the whole armor of God. I think it's Ephesians 6, uh, 11. We should put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. Of course, the kids are like, wiles, what is that? You know, and I try, to, I try to get you know New King James or the ESV, but you, know, you still get those words, but it's okay. They need to know what those words mean. It's the attacks of the devil. I said, you would not send a soldier out into battle without his armor on. You would not send a football player out there without his pads and his helmets on. You would not send a police officer into harm's way without his protection on. You would not send a firefighter into a burning building without his gear on. It's the same way with Jesus Christ. We would not go out into this world, into a wicked and corrupt world that is full of a God of this world, a little G God, and full of idols who are ready to take you down at any moment but while being... Uh, being, um, uh, having the armor of God put on us and to cover us. And I told these children, I said, listen, the armor of God is Jesus Christ. Everything we've done from the Ten Commandments to the tabernacle to the armor of God to the Bible, it all points to one thing. It points to Jesus Christ. Listen, when they step out of this uh, children's ministry and they step into Brian's youth ministry, I pray that they learned about one thing, Jesus Christ and the Word of God. I, I pray that we had a good time. I pray that they love the snacks and I pray all this great thing, but I pray that they have a foundation in Jesus Christ. Look at the second part of verse 7. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. There it again. First he said righteous. Now he says he is a buckler to them. So what is a buckler? He is a shield. He is our defense. Listen, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 says this. After these things, a word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. There it is again, not just a great reward. He's an exceedingly great reward. What is he saying right here? This is Abraham, the great patriot. Listen, this is the father of faith. Here he is. He's telling Abraham that I am the shield. Why is he telling Abraham that? Abraham just defeated five kings from Babylon and from Persia. He went after them with 318 of his servants and returned with Lot in whom they have taken from them. And he returned with all the possessions that the kings took. Right? So now he's come back, and we're reading this text right here, and we have to understand that maybe Abraham thinking there's a revenge attack. Maybe these kings are going to gather up their armies, and they're going to come after me, and they're going to kill me, they're going to kill my people. You say, well, no, not Abraham. Oh, not, not Abraham. Well, if we can remember, we go back, we read about Elijah. Elijah just slayed 450 prophets of Baal, man, amen, on Mount Carmel. And listen, what happened is he killed them, he slayed them. And next thing we know, we read about him under a tree. He's asking the Lord to take his life. He's asking the Lord, hey, let it, listen, I'm all by myself, but what did the Lord do? The Lord ministered to him in that very present time. Just like the Lord ministered to uh, God the Father, ministered to Jesus Christ there with the angel of the Lord. There when he was in uh, agony. He sent the angel of the Lord to minister him. Listen, he sent the angel of the Lord to minister to Elijah. Amen. And he told him this right here. He said, there's 7,000 men that have yet bowed a knee to Baal. You're not alone, Elijah. There's 7,000 men that are still out there. There's 7,000 men that are still out there. So here Abraham is. He's, he, he's probably worried. He's probably thinking, man, these guys are going to come back. They're going to they're build up their armies. They're going to come back, and they're going to take over, and they're going to kill me, and they're going to take my family and all this other stuff. But the Lord spoke to him, and he said, fear not, for I am thy shield. And if you didn't know this, this is the very first fear not. In, excuse me, this is the very first I am in the Bible. 
Ain't that something? Listen, the very first I am, he said, I am thy shield. The Lord knew that we needed protection from things of this world to come, amen? Whether it was then or whether it's now or whether it's days to come, the Lord needed, knew we needed that protection. This is also where we read about King Melchizedek, who was also a priest of the Most High God, who stepped out of nowhere, poof, he just came up, and he blesses Abraham, and Abraham pays tithes to him. How about that? Listen, Hebrews chapter 5 tells us this. Jesus was called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Look, Melchizedek was a high priest, and he was a king. Nowhere in Scripture do you read a king being a high priest or a high priest being a king. But here Melchizedek, poof, he comes on the scene, and there he is an image of Christ. He is a Christophany. He is showing what Jesus Christ. Jesus, our great high priest, amen. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our firmness, but in all points tempted as you and I, yet without sin. Right? As we talked about the tabernacle with the kids, the high priest that would take that goat and he would take it in there to sacrifice. That was that intercession between the children of Israel and from the priests that were inside. Amen. He was our great high priest. Amen. But listen, but he's also our king. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He should be the king of our lives every single day of our lives. But listen, the Lord spoke to Abraham. The Lord aided him and comforted him through his words. Don't miss the last part. It says, for those who walk uprightly. Uprightly. So there he talks about righteousness. Now he's talking about those who walk uprightly. What does that mean? In the fullness of the Lord. In the integrity. In and through the scriptures. And through the word of God. So Solomon is pointing to who he's talking about here. The righteous. Those who walk uprightly. God not only gives wisdom in his word, he, acts, he actively works to defend, guard, and preserve those who walk in his ways. Listen, number three, God's preservation. Verse 8 says, he keepeth the path of judgment. Listen, and preserves, preserveth the way of the saints. So you have the righteous, you have the uprightly, and now he's talking about the saints. Church, he's talking to us. He's talking to what we have available to us every single day and every moment of our life. This is a verse of uh, this is a recap of the previous verse, verse above. What is the Lord saying here? If he is our wisdom, which is our understanding and our buckler, or if he is our wisdom, which is our understanding, he's our buckler, which is our shield and defense, then those who walk uprightly in his word are protected from temptation and snares which should knock them off the right path. He guards and guides our paths and our ways. One of my very favorite scriptures, 119.105 of Psalms, it says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have it written in the front of my Bible. I love that scripture. Listen, we need a path that is lit up for us. The path is already narrow. There be few there that find it. We need help. Every bit of help that we need, we can get. And there the Lord says, I will light your path. Oh, I'll go before you. I'll make a way for you. Listen, when you're riding in the, in the trails with four-wheelers and you're going through there and stuff like that, and Jacob knows about this and Slade knows about this, if you ain't been there through a while, it's a little rough. You got some briars and some thickets that need to be cleared out. You might not can see the path. You go through and clear that path, and you can see it the same way with Jesus Christ, same way through the Scriptures and the authority of the Word of God. He lights that path for us. That way we know that we are walking on that straight and narrow path. That way he knows that we are walking in the direction that we need to go to give him glory and to, uh, uh, and give him glory and to give him honor. And so we need that in our life. We need a lamp to light our feet. If we understand that we are going to be judged on everything we do as a Christian, on what we did with the name of Jesus, it will keep us on the right path. Listen, you as a Christian must understand that you will be judged. You won't be at the great right throne of judgment, but you will be at what? The judgment seat of Christ. You will give an answer for everything you did with Scripture, everything you did with the name of Jesus, everything you did that he has called you into the ministry. What did you do with Jesus Christ? What did you do with my son? How did you honor him? How did you glorify him? You will give an answer for that, as well as well I will too. All of us will. But we must understand it's only by the grace and mercy of God that we can even walk uprightly in his righteousness. There's no righteousness outside of the righteousness of Christ. 
There's no righteousness outside the righteousness of Christ. It is only by Christ and Christ alone that we can be made righteous. It is only by Christ and Christ alone that we can be made holy. It is by Christ and Christ alone that we can be made pure. Amen. It says, Isaiah said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I shall make them white as snow. Though they say be like crimson, I shall make them like wool. There's nothing, there's nothing that can wash our sins away, take away our corruptness and our vile and the stain that we have on our life other than Jesus Christ. It is only by him that we can place on the robe of righteousness, the purity of Jesus Christ. Amen. That ought to get you excited this morning. Listen, it is by Christ and Christ alone. Listen, he preserveth the way of his saints. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 9. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. Man, I'm telling you, God defends the right way and those who choose to walk in it. Let me tell you something. This world may come against you. Now we're living in a time to where you stand on the word of God. People may come against you. You may lose family. You may lose friends. You may even lose your job. But God will prevail in the end. God walks with those who stand in integrity. God walks with those who stand uprightly in his word. He will. So those that, bless are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Bless are those who stand up for Scripture. Listen, if there's anything we need to do as Christians, we need to stand up on the Word of God. We are, I'm sick and tired of people cowering down from Scripture. Listen, if they don't like you, but yet you're standing on the Word of God, the best thing you could do is just pray about it. Amen? But listen, I'm not saying offend anybody. We shouldn't offend nobody. We shouldn't offend our brother, our family, or nobody. But if you're lining your life up with the Holy Word and the Scriptures that He has provided for us, then you know what? Then you ought to keep walking. Keep walking. And keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. Let it be. Amen. We got to quit getting away from Scripture. I don't want to go. All right, let's keep going. Listen, we must notice that he is very clear on who he defends and who he guards. The saints, the faithful, the righteous, the church. Do we understand what we have with us? When we walk through life every single moment. I have a, I have a cousin. Actually, it's my cousin's husband who uh, fell out of a tree. And he was laying there for 30-something hours paralyzed. And he could not move. But I'm telling you right now, I believe you'll never convince me otherwise. For 30 hours, he laid there with coyotes around him. I believe, I believe with all of my heart that it was the grace of God Almighty in heaven that protected him from those coyotes. Because he had blood all over him. Do we realize what we have through the power and the authority, through the presence of Jesus Christ. The very presence that raised Jesus out of the grave and brought him into heaven is the same presence that comes down and dwells among the believers today. It is the same presence that comes into you and into I that says you have been made new. You have been made holy. You have been given new life. Amen. That is the same presence that we have today. And when we understand, and we understand the revelation of what God has prepared for us and what God is doing in us and through us right now, it will change the dynamic and how we look at things. It will. Psalms 91.11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. This is a precious promise that speaks both honor and comfort to the saints. Man, ain't it great knowing that we have a God that loves us so much that will protect us? He says, hey, I will go before you. Man, when I read about the children of Israel, when I read about them going through the wilderness, when I read about them crossing that Red Sea, and I read about that, the presence of God, man, coming back and confusing the army and all these things. When I read about the fire by night and the cloud by day, oh, man, I get excited. I think that there he was with them the whole time. Adam sinned in the garden. Look, he came looking for Adam. He said, Adam, I want to talk to you. But Adam hid. He said, yeah, that's not going to keep me away. I still want to be with you. Moses, will you build me a tabernacle? Will you build me a tabernacle? There that I may dwell among my people. That I may, will you make me a sanctuary? I want to be with my people. I want to be with my people. And there he was in the middle of all of his people. The presence of the Lord. David, Solomon, will you build me a temple? Will you build me a temple because I want to be with my people. I want to be with my people. And one day, one day, we're going to be face to face. Face to face with that same one. Face to face with that same one who made a way for us. Man, I'm telling you, 
He desires to be with us. All He wants to do is just live inside of you. He wants to love you. He wants to hold. Listen, I can't help but think about a child who is sick and who needs to be nurtured, who needs to be held, who needs to be loved. And that's what Jesus wants to do. All He wants to do is just to grab you up in His arms and to hold you. And to hold you tight and close to Him. He wants to comfort you. He has given us everything we need in this life to sustain until we get to our heavenly home. Listen, this is not our home, amen. We're just pilgrims passing through. We're strangers in a foreign land, amen. I'm looking for a heavenly city, a holy city, a builder, a place whose builder and maker is God, amen. This is not where I'm stopping. As Brother Billy said, don't stop till you get home. Oh, man, don't stop till you get home. I ain't stopping. But through the way, through the path, and through the journey, I'm going to need some help. My wife's going to need some help. My friends are going to need some help. We have a promise in Proverbs that we can have that help. We can have that aid, and we can have that comfort. Listen, Spurgeon said, there's no limit to the heart that is right with God. There's no limit to the heart that is right with God. You get your heart right with God, there's no limit. There's no limit. No limit to what God can do in your life. I don't care what handicap you got, what disability you got. Listen, growing up, I shared this in the first service. Growing up, I had the hardest time reading and comprehending words. I couldn't read it and comprehend it. I struggled with that my whole life. I did. And it caused a lot of problems in school. So when I, read in, when I get into the Word of God and read it, it is harder for me to understand, but I just stay in it. I just stay in it and I push through until God gives me the revelation that he wants me to have in this scripture. And it may take me longer than other people. It may, it, it, it may be, but you know what? I just stay in it because, listen, when you get your heart right with God, there's no limit to what God will do in your life. And it's amazing how he'll make things in this scripture come alive. It's amazing how I can't remember nothing, but somehow I can remember the scriptures. God is, I'm telling you, if we would just step back in just a minute and just realize what we have in our Lord, the promise that we have, the grace and the mercy. Let me keep going. Listen, as we get ready to close in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Then thou shalt understand righteousness, judgment, equity, yeah, every good path. This verse is connected to verse 8. When we receive the wisdom of God, then we receive the understanding of the Word of God. We begin to see things with the heart of God. Listen, we ought to desire to have a heart for God, but also desire to see things like God sees them. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, let me see the people that you, let me see the people the way that you see them. The evil man, well, let me read this, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 5. The evil man, evil men, understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. The evil man, they have a hard time discerning between truth and falsehood, right and wrong. I believe you can look outside and see that in the world today. People have a trouble to seeing what is right and what is wrong. One day, they'll say, there'll be a time where people say, look at uh, good for evil and evil for good. I would believe we're seeing that today. People are struggling with what's right and what's wrong. Why is that? Because they don't understand the law of God. They don't have an understanding in God's word. Amen. Listen, their hearts have been blinded by the God of this world, little g God, which means the devil. Their wickedness and evilness come from the ignorance of the word of God. They don't understand the word of God. They don't understand the judgment of Christ. They don't understand what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. They don't understand that we are all equal at the foot of the cross. We're are all sinners in need of grace. Amen. He died not for one. He died for all. Amen. Everybody can come unto the knowledge and the grace and the understanding and the blood of Jesus Christ and receive the inheritance of eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're all in need of God's grace. Amen. And when people open up the scriptures and they begin to read and they begin to see it for themselves, things begin to change on the inside. Amen. Things begin to bubble up in their bowels. Amen. As the two men uh, talked about uh, the, the disciples on the road to Demaeus, did our hearts not burn within us? Something happens when you read Scripture. Things begin to change in your life. Why? Because we begin to see things the way that God wants us to see them. His revelation is begin to be shown to us through the marvelous, precious Holy Spirit of God. But people who have the ignorance of God's Word do not see that. 
Lost people are going to act lost. But until we get the word of God to them, until we share the love of God with them, nothing's going to ever change. Amen? But can I tell you this this morning? It's not just in the world. There's an ignorance in the word of God in the church today. Absolutely. There's an ignorance of the word of God. Lack of knowledge and understanding in the church today. It is only those who seek the Lord who have understanding. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you remember what it said in the beginning of chapter 2? Let's read it. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 and 5. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. But listen to these last three verses. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and I'll lift this up thy voice to understanding. If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as hid treasure, then shall thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Are we searching for the things of God like hidden treasure? Are we searching, are we searching for the wisdom and the knowledge of God like precious jewels? Listen, those who seek the Lord is to set God's glory before your own. His favor as their joy. His word as their rule. And to speak to Him on all occasions by prayer. We have to have a passion for the word of God. We have to have a passion and a heart for the word of God. Well, people, people say this. Well, Andrew, it must be because you're called to preach that you can remember the scriptures. It must be because you're called to preach that you can know these things. No, it's not. It's because my heart and my passion is in the Word of God. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but the same Holy Spirit that I have, you have too. Amen. I'm no more saved than you are, okay? I have the ability and access to the same Scriptures that you have. But what happens is my passion and my heart and my desires are in the Word of God. For so long, my passion was in this world. It was in a worldly substance in a shape of a pill. And I spent every moment of every day of my life studying pills. How, how the milligram of them, the, the, what you can do with them, and the colors and the size and the price. Because that was my life. I wanted to get high. So my life was surrounded by a worldly substance called a pill. And that's where I lived my life for so long. But let me tell you something. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Any man be in Christ, amen. Any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. New creation. Behold, all things pass away. I still have passion. I still have heart. I still have a loud voice. I still stomp. I still spit. I still cry. But now it's not about pills. It's about the precious Word of God that has surrounded and overtaken my life. Same thing can happen in your life. He can take the bottle. He can take the pills, the pornography, whatever it may be. He can throw it away. He can give you a new flame, a new fire, a new passion. My prayer is that I saturate myself in the Word of God. My prayer is that my messages that I preach are soaked in the blood of Christ. I pray, as Brother Billy said, I pray that Jesus will drip off of me so that my wife and my children will see it. And I'm not up here preaching. I pray when I'm in my house working on my kitchen, mad, frustrated, hurting, they still see Jesus. I pray when I'm on my bus, they still see Jesus. I pray when I'm driving my car and someone cuts me off, they still see Jesus. I can't stand up here and preach the Word of God and only live it on Sundays and Wednesdays. God help me if I did that. I pray that every day of my life, I'll be saturated in the Word of God. God, make me, mold me, shape me to who you want me to be. Listen, we're fixing to go into an invitation time as we close. But maybe you haven't been reading the Word of God like you should. Maybe you haven't picked it up and it's been sitting over there dusty on a shelf. I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning to talk to God, to pick it back up. Tell Him you're sorry. God, help me. God, discipline me. Give me what I need to read Scripture daily, to understand to have the wisdom and the knowledge. But maybe you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Without Him and the precious Holy Spirit of God, you'll never truly understand this scripture right here. I met a man that read it six times through and through. 
but to him it was just a novelty, a book. But until you receive the precious spirit of God, it's just a book. It's just words. Powerful words. But you got to have the spirit. I want to give you a chance this morning. I want to lead you in a prayer that if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Bible says clearly in Romans that if we call upon his name, he'll save us. Ain't that good? Not only will he be a help, a present help in time of need, he'll save you right there in that moment. When Peter was falling in the water, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus didn't say, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible says these words immediately, immediately he reached out his hand and he saved him. God, we come to you this morning. God, we ask that you would be with this invitation time. God, I'm so thankful for your word, your presence, your spirit. God, I'm so, so thankful for a church who loves Jesus. But God, I pray if there's one in here this morning, two or three or however many that don't know you, I pray that they can call upon you this morning saying, Lord, God, I ask that you just send your son Jesus into my life. God, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. Make me new. God, would you dwell with me and in me for the rest of my life. Use me for your glory. God, teach me your word. Give me the understanding and the knowledge I need to bring you glory and to bring you honor. God, thank you for forgiving my sins and thank you for saving me. Father, those that are in here that have struggled, maybe they had things going on in life. God, maybe they have death, financial, marital, whatever it may be. God, I pray that you would minister to them this morning. God, encourage them every day to open up the Word of God and to read about how good and how great and how wonderful and how faithful you are. Let them be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before you. Because why? Because that is our reasonable service. God, use us. Let us be devoted to your service. God, encamp us with your presence. Saturate us with your word. And God, may we be a people who always stand boldly and confidently on Scripture, knowing that you will always lead us in the right direction. No weapon come against us. No person, no entity, no, entity, no program, no government shall ever prevail. God, you are holy, and may we honor you and reverence you for who you are. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. Amen. Stand with us as we sing.